Hey everyone, welcome to episode number five of Bible and Breakfast with Basketball Dads. I'm really excited to have Coach RJ Barsh with us today. Uh, coach Barsh is currently an assistant coach out at Boise State University. Um, I got to know him a, a few years ago when he was the head coach at Southeastern in Florida and uh, developed a good relationship with him and had a had a mutual player that we coached that I know kind of bonded us together a little bit too. But uh, Coach Barsh is just one of those guys who... <laughs> who I love talking to. He's always bringing uh, encouragement and, and a good word. So I'm excited to have him with us today. And Coach Barsh, man, thanks for thanks for hopping on. Coach Andrew, uh, thanks for having me. Man, it's been cool to, to watch your journey to uh, connecting with you when you're at Bob Jones. I was at Southeastern. So two of us coaching in a, in a dynamic spiritual environment and just trying to do the best we can. And now look, man, we're both Division One coaches and uh, still doing our ministry, which is a blessing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, yeah, Coach, um, you know, we're going to have a, a good conversation today. Um, kind of going to gear it a little bit towards current events in our country right now. But, uh, you know, I asked you to share a, a devotional or a challenge with us. And, you know, before we hopped on this on this live here, Coach Barsh, you know, opened his journal up and wanted wanted God to speak to him on, how, on what he's going to talk about. So I love how you, you, you know, you found this passage and I'm excited to to hear what you have for us. So uh, this is my son, Grayson, and I have a son, Carson. He's uh, 22, my wife, Chris. And today I opened up my journal and it says, uh, this is from January uh, 25th this year. And it was Psalm 16 and 8. It says, I will keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will keep my eyes on the Lord because with him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And it makes me think about the current climate because we all have these questions of what what is my role as a man, as a leader, as a black man. And I kind of introduced myself probably the wrong way. I would say, uh, uh, first, I'm a black man. And then I'm a, a father. Then I'm a husband. And then I'm a coach. And then I'm a friend. And, and I think we have to do those things because I think sometimes we attach ourselves too close to our vocations and we lose our personality. We lose who we are. And then we need things to define us. And the reason I love that I journal and I write my devotions out is because if you have this foundation in your life, when trouble comes upon you, it says I will not be shaken because Jesus, God is my right hand man. I, it, it's just a beautiful understanding. So I was talking to my grandma uh, yesterday or two days ago. And in 1954, my grandma uh, was a military cook and she was in Germany. And me and my grandma were talking and I asked her, I said, grandma, why are we different? And, and when I say different, what I mean is uh, if there's a storm and we're in the ship, we're going to try to control the ship in the storm. We're not going to look for why it happened, who's it happening to, we're, we're going to try to make sure we make it out of the storm. That, that's that's kind of a Dillingham and a Barsh trait. So I asked my grandma, why are we this way? And she said, son, in, in 1954, I was coming back from, from Germany after serving the country. And I was in uh, Henrietta, Oklahoma. And a friend of mine who was not in the military asked me to go shopping with her. And so I went shopping with her and I was enjoying my time. So then my friend said to me, she said, I said, let's go grab a burger. And so my grandma, who loves food, right? She's a cook. She's like, okay, I'll go grab a burger with you. So they, they go over to this burger shop a little outside of Henrietta. And as they're walking, of course, they take them to the back. And my grandma, after being in the military, she had some liberties. And she was like, oh, I don't like this. 
And she took them to the back and then they set them down right in front of where they butchered the meat and said, if you're going to eat a burger, you're going to eat a burger here. And my grandma looked at her friend. She says, I'm not eating this burger. She got up. She walked back to the car. She, she waited there until her friend was done. My grandma then proceeds proceed to tell me, RJ, that was a small moment where I did not eat the burger. But it was a huge moment because I, I was making a decision of who I was in a small environment. There was nobody outside watching me. There was no, I didn't have you, I didn't know you yet. I didn't know your mother yet. But it was a discipline that I would not patronize myself for a luxury I didn't need. I could go home and, and make a burger. She said, so like, when you do these small things, when you set these foundational truths in your life, when the storm hits, you have the foundation because you've made the decision. Jesus is my right hand. See, I think Jesus has a wonderful way of taking our broken pieces and woving them into beautiful tapestries, kind of like a bookmark. How on the backside of the bookmark, you can see all the weird designs and it looks like it's confused, but then you turn it over and it's the most beautiful phrase, Jesus loves you, God is good. Jesus sees both sides of the bookmark. I think sometimes we focus too much on one side. I wanna be the perfect bookmark or I am the chaotic bookmark <laughs> that, that is lost. Psalm 16 and eight says, if Jesus is my right hand, I will not be moved. I remember I was in Italy uh, doing a basketball camp and we would go to these churches, you know, the big churches out there. And I remember walking and I saw this on the side of the church, this most beautiful picture like that I've ever seen, Andrew. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, this is unbelievable. And the closer we got to it, the more that I realized that the painter had taken thousands of pieces of broken glass and painted them into a beautiful picture. But from where I was standing, it looked like the perfect image. But the closer you got to it, the more you realize the image was not perfect, but the pieces were put back together in a way that made it look like this is what it was designed to be. So I think in our life, we go through all these situations and we're broken pieces. David said, who was a man of God's own heart says, it is good that I am afflicted. I love David, but why do you say this? Because I think God has a way of when life throws us lemons, he wants us to make lemonade. I used to want to be a diamond for Christ. Now I want to be a pearl because when the oyster goes through affliction and, 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 and something bad gets inside of it, there's something that happens where it wraps around and it hides that infirmity and then it squeezes it and then out comes the pearl. So I believe that God sometimes squeezes us to see what we're supposed to become. So in this moment of affliction, people ask me, what am I supposed to be as a leader? God's squeezing us, Black America. God's squeezing us, White America. Not for you to go and lead. We have to lead us first. And what I mean by us first, January 1st, January 25th, I had disciplines in my morning to set my foundation to make sure that I knew that before I even said I was a Black man, there's a phrase that I did not say. I am a believer. I am a Christian. So if I continue to put that in front of everything, then that is the vessel that I pour out from. The, 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 if I feed, I'm a coach all the time, then I have to lead from that standpoint of 
I'm just a coach. If I pour into, I'm a black man and that's it, then I have to leave everything from the stance of that's who I am. If I leave that I'm just a father. But if you put Christ in front of all those things, he will take our broken pieces. He will take the, the infirmity that gets into the into the uh, uh, oyster. He will take the broken glass. And over time, he will wove it into a beautiful tapestry. And, and that's how I believe. And so the reason I wanted to just open the Bible and read that is because I wanted to show Coach Drew that it doesn't happen overnight. The macro change we want starts with a, mi- a, mi- a micro mindset. What am I doing here? So I can change what I see here. And if we do those things, I think we will see change. And I think we have to be comfortable that it may not happen in our lifetime, but okay if we don't see it. Are you willing to do the work that you don't see? Imagine building a house and being the cornerstone, being the most important piece and never being praised or never being seen. I've never seen a realtor. I've never seen a house for sale where they have one picture of the cornerstone and they say, come move in here. But I guarantee you without that, that house can't stand. So sometimes the most important movements, the most important things we do are things that are unseen. It's my grandma saying, I won't eat the burger. That's the cornerstone of her life, it's her discipline. And my grandma goes on to say this as I finish the story. No offense to my friend, but 20 years later, I had opened up restaurants with your grandpa and she was still in Oklahoma. See, our disciplines and our habits set us up. So when David says, my heart has been troubled, he also knows that with the slingshot and Jesus as his right hand, he can defeat any Goliath. So it's okay to be hurting. That's part of the story of our broken glass. It's okay to feel strong in this moment. That's part of our story of broken glass. But what I want us all to do as a white man, black man, white woman, black woman, fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, is do these three things. The things that are free, give away the things that are free. Love is free, hope is free, and faith is free. Give these things away. And love is not love until you give it away. Love that you keep, is not love. Love is meant to give away. Faith that you don't give away is not faith. Faith has got to be shown. And hope that you don't preach is not hope. Hope has got to be shared. These are the three things that are free that cost us everything when we share them. But when you have Jesus as your right hand, like Psalm 16 and 8 says, boy, oh boy, like Jesus dumping on somebody right now. I don't care who's in the lane. I can't be stopped. I won't be stopped. So in this moment, People say, Barsh, how you smiling right now? Because I got soldiers I know on the front lines in Minnesota, Minneapolis right now. I got soldiers I know in Lakeland, Florida. I got soldiers I know in, in Southern Cali. I got soldiers I know in Deland, Florida. I got soldiers I know in, in uh, Costa Rica. I got soldiers I know in Bermuda. I got so because before we put anything in front of who we are, say I'm a man of God first. That's all I got, man. I'll keep going all day now. Don't get me started with this oh, now, brother. Hey, I think we all know you kept going all day with that. That's awesome, man. Great, great, Grayson, like, come on, Papa, man. You've been preaching all morning, man. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. And I think, you know, you said something so powerful that, you know, it all starts with who we are in Christ and the image, you know, we're all image bearers of Christ. And I think, you know, so many, you know, I know, like, when I'm trying to think about 
all this situation going on and, and what my perspective is on it and looking at other people's perspectives, you know, a lot of times it just looks like it's, it's black versus white or it's us versus the cops or it's, there's just this battle going on, but, but the battle isn't ours. Like the battle is and I think just knowing who we are in Christ and, you know, that's why you know, that we, we share the gospel with people because, you know, so many people out there right now don't know who Jesus is. So they don't have that perspective. They don't know who they are in Christ. And that's why, you know, it just it goes downhill from there. But and can I share something but, on that? Because I yeah. believe a lot of us don't share our faith because we know we're sinners. And we don't want to be seen as a hypocrite. So we hide our faith in the fear of looking fake in front of somebody that we want to help get to Jesus. But Jesus, I think that's the enemy's biggest weapon is to convince you that because you fail, you're no longer his son. And because you fail, you can't stand in front of nobody now. So then we have all these powerful men. I got a text from one of my former players today that says, how can I be a leader right now? By standing after you fall. If my son Grayson was crawling and every time he failed, he decided that I can't never crawl again, then he could never walk. But for me to think that he should walk right from the womb would be crazy. Yeah. But the minute he gets up and walks, he gonna fall. And he gonna get right back up. That's that's how we have to be with our salvation. You know, you sinned yesterday, I sinned yesterday, but guess what? I got up and kept on pushing. So I, I really want to share that part with faith because I think a lot of people have it, but they're scared to share it with the fear of looking false. Yeah, you said, you know, you said you got that text from one of your players about what, you know, how do I stand right now? What, what is my message as a leader? And obviously, you know, we come from a Christian perspective, a biblical worldview. What would you say, you know, for, for someone who doesn't know who Jesus is, like someone who may, may be really confused with the situation going on, you know, whether it's a, a black man or a white man, but what, what kind of message, how do you stand from that aspect, if that makes sense? I know. You I know, think you have to call it, you have to call it what it is. It's uh, racial injustice. It's police brutality against African-American males. It's our, 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 our melanin and our frame strike fear that should not be there. And one thing that we can't change is this blackness is a uniform I can't come out of. And so I have to play this, this role every day. And, and, and that's what it is. And then you say, if you're not a Christian, how do I lead in this moment? You, whatever God put in your personality, even if you're not Christian, you can still have love, but you have to give it away. I remember I struggled with something early on in my faith is uh, the whole idea of anger. What do I do with my anger as a man? And then I realized that uh, there's something called righteous anger. And to me, I never I haven't looked at what it means in the Bible, but to me, righteous anger is seeing something wrong, being upset about it, but then doing something to change it. If I, if I, if I sleep with my anger without a plan, then I'm immature. Christian or not Christian, if something ticks you off, you change it. If my car doesn't start, I don't get mad at my car. I figure out why. And then once I figure out the problem, I change the battery and I get in my car and I drive away. I'm not mad at my car. The system is the problem. So once we identify where in the system it's broken and we know, 
it's not that the system is broken. The system was built flawed for us. So I think our approach has to be, and this is where people may disagree, our approach has to be every man has to know who they are first so that we don't get lost in the arrogance of promoting self. Because then when you do that, you can't show humility now because you're built on your foundation of you. I'm this, I'm this, I gotta do this. So to a white man who's like, what do I do in this scenario? You know what you do right now? You share love, faith, and hope. You call your black friends and you don't look to say, I'm trying to help. You just say, I'm praying for you, brother. Like, I wish I could do more. And then, and then you say, what can I do for you? Tell me something in our circle that I can change that's happening to you. Make the problem smaller. I think the problem is so big that it paralyzes our progress because we feel like, what can I do? You have to make the problem small to your neighborhood, to your street, to your neighbors, to your house, to your family, to your room, to you. And if we make it small, those small changes across the world will make a macro change. So everyone's like going and protesting around it. And I believe in that and I understand that. But my philosophy in this deal is let's not date the problem. Dating the problem is joining a movement with no with no plan. Marrying the problem is saying, I'm diagnosing the problem in my family. I'm diagnosing the problem in my world. Andrew, you are a father. The way you can help us is by making sure that your, your, your children know that you're white and you have a privilege. Let never abuse that in the sake of another color. And if you see it, call it out right away because it's the little fox that destroys it. It's the little one. And so that's what I would say, especially to a white man is, I know there's a lot of them that have called me that feel so bad for me today that this is happening. And then I go to tell them, okay, so what are you going to do? I want you to call your white players and take them into a zone and tell them, you know what? This is not okay. If this happens and, we, and someone says this under their mouth, this is not okay. Call it what it is as a, as a micro, micro level before you go big time. Grayson, let me grab a bottle from a little man. Not. That's the times as uh, you know, as leaders and stuff, we, we do we try we try and fix a problem and, and something like this is like you said, it's it's not fixable overnight. It's not fixable in a couple of years. Like it's it's a bigger, bigger problem than just what's on the surface. And uh I think, you know, when I when I saw the video of you know of George Floyd and the cop killing him, it just it infuriated me. And I think being able to, to, like you said, call it what it is and, and see the bigger problem behind it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just, um, you know, I don't know how to work. Like, it wasn't necessarily just a, a cop that made a mistake. I mean, it was a big mistake, but it was more than that. The, the root issue was deeper and just being able to understand all that. So um, there's three mistakes that I saw in that deal. Like it was yeah. a cop that made the mistake, not the mistake, the cop that murdered him. It was a cop. It was a cop that watched it happen. 
And then it was the people that videoed it happened to show that they were there. Yeah. Psalm 16, 8. Jesus is my right hand. Righteous anger. My brother's keeper. I talked to two cops yesterday. And one of them said to me, we took all of our all of our cops and we retrained them and we said to them, if you see somebody going to a place emotionally, they should not go. Be your brother's keeper and tap them or kick them and say, no, nah, this is not what we do. They were appalled that that didn't happen. But when we walk around in arrogance, we can't be held accountable. So that's why all of us have to lose our arrogance so we can be held accountable. That's why I love working for Coach Leon Rice at Boise State. Man's got 23 out of 25, 21 seasons. I can't even remember how many uh, uh, NCAA tournaments. I mean, eight out of 10 seasons here, 20 wins. We got a beautiful team coming back. In the last seven days, we have done nothing with our team but serve them the way we've been serving them since I got here because he's got humility. He doesn't say, RJ, don't go do these things. He says, where, where you have your power, I want you to stand in it. And I think that as leaders, that's what we have to do. We have to, if we are standing strong because of Christ is our right hand, you got to find those guys around you who you know need your guidance. Pull them to the side, be their keeper, and tap them and say, let's get your foundation right. So when your world's shaking, you're not. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, that is just so powerful because that's that's the first thing that, you know, crossed my mind too is like, man, I, like, why does, why does this dude stand in there? Like, who stands and watches this happen? And, you know, like, in a, in a basketball team, we, you don't just let your teammates go do stupid stuff. Like, you, you got their back. You pick them up when they might be might get lost. And, you know, I think that situation could have been resolved, you know, with one person stepping up and saying, hey, and saying how we do things here. But it never happened, and it spiraled out of control. And I think you know, just being, being your brother's keeper, knowing what the brotherhood's all about is so powerful. Um, and you and said it right there. You said, you said it right there. It could have been solved with what one person. One person. Yeah. So ends up it ends up right now. Everybody wants to have this massive change, and this could have been stopped by one person. We are all that one person somewhere. Yeah, it's you know you you so many times you talk about you know all of our. You know, we could change the world. Our actions could change the world. And a lot of times we think about that. It's like, yeah, right. Like, I'm not I'm not going to be able to do something to change the world. But that, you know, our world got changed by one action because mm -hmm. of what somebody did do. And then it also got changed or it could have been changed for the better if somebody didn't do something. And I don't think anyone in that moment probably felt like, man, this is going to change the world. But it did. And I think we just, you know, as, as leaders and as people, need to understand that, that how we carry ourselves, how we do things, how we love people, how we, you know, you gave those three things, love, hope, and faith, how we carry those out every day. You know, those, those actions, they are world changers. And it, it may not be, yeah. it may not be, you know, publicized like this whole event has been, but the little things we do to love people and help people, um, that changes the world. And man, I, um, I don't, coach, I don't, if there's anything else you, you had on your heart, I know like, I just love listening. Uh, I'm learning a lot over this last week. You know, it's um, I've been convicted of so many things where I didn't necessarily know I was thinking it or knew that I was had this mindset, but you know, I'm seeing things from a different perspective and it's, it's changed my thoughts a lot. So if there's anything else on your heart that you want to share or felt like God's leading you to share, 
Um, I know I would love to hear it, and I'm sure people watching would love to hear it. I think now is a, is a beautiful time to uh, get yourself right. We've been quarantined for almost three months. We've got world tragedy, and we're still trying to stop the things outside of us. We're still trying to make sure I don't get sick. Make sure I don't make sure I, man. Be able to sit down with yourself and be happy with who you are. It starts by changing your thoughts. But to take a thought captive, you have to renew your mind. And to renew your mind, you gotta know Jesus. And people want to know Jesus from the people that they see walking around, not preaching the gospel, but living it. And that means making a mistake and getting back up. I don't think my players look at me and go, oh, I want to be like Coach Barsh or Christian like Coach Barsh because he's perfect. Man, I, I make more mistakes than you can imagine. But I don't let them stop me. So I would say the last thing I would say is a mistake is like a speed bump. It may slow you down, but it's not meant to wreck you. And if you continue to get over those speed bumps, the more cool you get, you slow down when you see it coming. So it doesn't shake you as much. And the next thing you know, you're out of the parking lot. And now you're speeding, now you're on the freeway. And then something else happens. And now you're in another parking lot of change where you have to mature, and now you're over speed bumps again. Anytime you're on the way somewhere, you're going to have two speeds. I'm on the way, and I can see it. Now I'm in the parking lot. I got to slow down so I can position myself to be where I have to be. Right now, I believe the world's in a position where we have to slow down, position ourselves in this parking lot of America, and say, how can I make sure that I'm putting myself in a position to change all of us. And and then I would say this too. Don't feel like you have to you have to protest and don't feel like you have to agree and don't feel like you have to tweet and don't feel like you have to give a statement. You have to be you. In your sphere of influence, you have to be you. Do not go outside of yourself in this moment and be somebody you're not because you won't be able to sustain that and then change doesn't happen. I need the, I need the quiet guy with no Twitter followers that loves his neighbor to keep being that guy to go meet your other neighbor. I need the loud Twitter guy to keep being that guy so put out another statement. You know, I need the bike rider who never goes on the computer because he's working on a computer to bike ride and go find a bike rider that he doesn't know and show love. Find your influence and give those three things away, faith, hope, and love. Until you give those things away, they are not what they're supposed to be. If you keep love, it is not love. If you keep faith, it's not faith. If you keep hope, it's not hope. These things are not working until we give them away. And if too many Christians out here don't, don't give away hope, that don't give away love, but all they do is give away the faith. So we got to give, we got to do all three, man. We know how it is. Want the threes, man? Give me the threes, right? <laughs> Give me the threes. If we can do these three things, you can play. It's been a sideline issue. We had a parent come on our live and tell all of us. He's a Chicago parent. He said, "Fellas, you don't get to be on the sideline for this one. America's in the game. And what are you? Are you a role player? Are you a primetime player? Are you a cheerleader? I don't know what you're doing, but in this one." Black America, white America, we all in the game. We know who we're playing against. We got to win. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Coach, thank you so much. I love it. Faith, faith, hope, and love. And let's, you know, act on those things. I love the, you know, things 
we all want free. So let's let's make sure we live that up. But man, thank you so much. I love your your energy. I love your enthusiasm. And again, man, I I, I just want to I want to be better from my side of things to uh, to make change and help change. And I I really appreciate you uh, giving insight from your perspective. And um, I know we've gotten a lot of comments on this of just you know powerful stuff. So appreciate you coming on so much. And um, look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Let's do it. Let's get it.